Welcome to the St. Matt's 6pm podcast, where you can listen to sermons from our evening service. Mark chapter 6, verses 45 through to 56. Uh, This happens just after Jesus feeds the 5,000. Verse 45. Immediately, Jesus made his disciples get in the boat and go on ahead of him to Bethsaida while he dismissed the crowd. After leaving them, he went up on a mountainside to pray. Now, later that night, the boat was in the middle of the lake and he was alone on land. He saw the disciples straining at the oars because the wind was against them. Shortly before dawn, he went out to them walking on the lake. He was about to pass by them, but when they saw him walking on the lake, they thought he was a ghost. They cried out because they all saw him and were terrified. Immediately he spoke to them and said, Take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Then he climbed onto the boat with them, and the wind died down. They were completely amazed, for they had not understood about the loaves. Their hearts were hardened. When they had crossed over, they landed at Gennesaret and anchored there. As soon as they got out of the boat, people recognised Jesus. They ran throughout that whole region and carried the sick on mats to wherever they heard he was. And wherever he went, into villages, towns or countryside, they placed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched it were healed. Thank you, Tim. Good evening, everyone. My name's Ron. Good to see you. Uh, In 2015, Patrick purchased a plane. You don't need to know much more about Patrick, but he purchased a plane. He had over 10,000 hours of commercial uh, flight time and he had a flight instructor certificate. So he purchased a plane, as you do. He was more than competent to fly his small plane from one side of the country to the other, hopping as you do with those planes at various airports along the way. During his first two takeoffs in this plane that he had just purchased, aviation fuel entered the cockpit, sloshing around his feet. Now, I don't know about you, but I read that and go, that's not a good thing, surely. At the third airport that Patrick got to, he called a mechanic, one that knew about this particular plane, and he discussed the issue. And the mechanic told Patrick not to fly the plane. Who'd have thought that that's what he might say? But Patrick overruled the mechanic's recommendation, confident that he had the situation in hand. Now, whether it was just Patrick's confidence in his own ability, whether Patrick had a pressing timeline, or whether he just had a desire to get back in the air, the decision that Matt Patrick made had devastating, tragic consequence. Patrick's heart was hard to the reality that in his cockpit was aviation fuel. His eyes couldn't see what everyone else could see, the thing that he needed to see, that he needed not to fly the plane. As he took off, he made a sudden swift left-hand turn And he crashed, exploding into a fireball. Patrick's hard heart cost him his life. Hard hearts hinder 
enlightened eyes. The story before us today, the story that Tim just read to us, is a story that gives us a warning lest we develop hard hearts, hard hearts that could cost us our lives. The story challenges hard hearts and the story urges us to have enlightened eyes. At the crux of this story is the very famous uh, story of Jesus walking on the water and calming a wind just by getting into the boat. The disciples, were told, were completely amazed at this. And fair enough, you might think. That's pretty amazing stuff to see someone walk on water and just calm a wind by getting into a boat. Except the story views their amazement as an indictment on them. They weren't simply amazed at Jesus' power. They weren't simply amazed because Jesus walked on the water. They weren't simply amazed because Jesus calmed the wind. We're told why they are amazed. They are amazed, verse 53 says, because they had not understood about the loaves and their hearts were hardened. Just let that sink in for a moment. The ones closest to Jesus, the ones who had been following Jesus around, seeing all the miracles, hearing all the teaching, those ones, the ones closest to him, are the ones who are closest to being outside of the kingdom. So what had they not understood about the loaves? And how had their hearts become hard? And what warning or encouragement might there be in this story for us this day? Well, let's start with the loaves. The loaves take us back to the prior story of Jesus feeding over 5,000 people with five loaves and two fish. That miracle was pretty obvious. Everyone could see how miraculous that feeding was, but the disciples hadn't understood something about this miracle. As hungry crowds gather around, the disciples suggest sending them away to get food. Jesus replies, as you can see on the screen, you give them something to eat. They complain about the cost of giving them such food, half a year's wages. But Jesus provides for the crowd that are there. More than enough. All of them eat and are satisfied. Just as God had provided manna in the wilderness, in a remote desert where the Israelites had wandered years and years ago, now Jesus provides bread in another remote place to crowds who wandered as sheep without a shepherd. What the disciples hadn't understood was that the arrival of the kingdom of God meant that they were able to bring spiritual nourishment to the people. They were able to feed the people. Now you might think, and kind of fairly, that it's a bit harsh for Jesus to expect them to give crowds food to eat. How are they going to do that? But the disciples had just returned from a mission trip. You've been on a mission trip at any point in your life. 
You know how exciting it is to see the ways that God works when you have to go out on a limb and trust him in all sorts of different ways. And this is indeed what the disciples had experienced. They'd just returned from this mission trip. When they went, when Jesus sent them out, he told them, and you can see this in verse 8 of Mark chapter 6, to take nothing except a staff, no bread, no bag, no money. They experienced God's provision. They took no bread, but they were fed. They saw others fed spiritually. When Jesus told them to feed the people, they should have both trusted him for miraculous provision of physical food as well as recognised that he would be the spiritual food. They hadn't understood that Jesus would both provide the bread and be the bread for them. They had all the information that they need. They had witnessed all the miracles. They had heard all of Jesus' teaching. They had experienced his power. They had witnessed and been beneficiaries of his compassion. They had even ministered powerfully in Jesus' name. But their hearts were hard. Hard hearts hamper enlightened eyes. So how did their hearts become hard? Hearts become hard because of sin, by not living under God's rule, living the way that he wants. And let me draw out two specific but related uh, sins that I think apply in this situation. The first one is pride. The disciples anticipated a Messiah that would overthrow oppressors, not one that had compassion on lost sheep. The kingdom that the disciples wanted wasn't about spiritual nourishment, but about political freedom and power. Jesus' agenda was for the shepherdless sheep having compassion on them. The disciples were told in verse 36 were happy to send people away rather than feed them. So fixated were they on their agenda, so proud were they that their hearts had become hard to the very heart of God's kingdom, shepherding sheep. The only thing that would soften their hearts would be to humbly see Jesus for who he really was. In the story, we're told that Jesus saw the disciples struggling as they were against the wind. And we're told that he planned to pass them by. You see that in verse 48. That seems a bit strange, doesn't it? I mean, what's he doing? Why is he planning to pass by them? Doesn't he care? Isn't he going to help these disciples? Well, this whole section of Mark has overtones of the Exodus. And we won't go into all of them right now, but this one is relevant because the phrase here, pass by, is borrowed from the Old Testament, from the Exodus itself. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 5 and 6, God reveals himself to Moses by doing what? By passing by him. This is how God reveals himself to Moses. How God reveals himself as a God of compassionate, uh, compassion and grace. 
rather than write them off because their hearts are hard. Jesus comes to them to reveal himself to them, to reveal to them his compassion and his grace. Jesus doesn't give up on hard hearts. He doesn't give up on their hard hearts. He doesn't give up on my hard heart. He doesn't give up on your hard heart. No matter where you are at, no matter what's going on for you, he hasn't given up on you. Your heart might be hard. Your agenda might not be his agenda. He wants to pass you by. Not to ignore you, but to reveal more of himself to you. To show you more of his kingdom. To show you more of his compassion and grace. But there's hint of another sin here that brings a hard heart, a related sin, that of selfish ambition. As the discipleship journey unfolds, the disciples will ask Jesus for seats of power. They'll argue with each other about who is the greatest. They'll speak to Jesus like they know better than him. But we also see a hint of all this back in Mark chapter 6. Coming back from their mission trip, just before feeding the 5,000, verse 30 tells us that the disciples reported to Jesus all that they had done and taught on their mission trip. Notice how it's worded though. They didn't report about the kingdom. They didn't report about the miraculous works of God. They reported what they had done, what they had taught. Selfish ambition hardens our hearts to Jesus' kingdom, even when it's only subtle. Maybe more so when it's subtle. Rather than self-promote, these disciples simply needed to acknowledge their insufficiency and his power and authority. They strain against the wind. Jesus stills the wind. They try harder. Jesus prays. They're full of terror. Jesus brings peace. They need to hear Jesus' words. Take courage. It is I. Think about those words. Not take courage. You can do this. Not take courage. Dig a bit deeper. Not take courage. Try a bit harder. Move a bit faster. Jesus says, take courage. It is I. Another translation I think a more helpful one is take courage, I am. And if you understand the Exodus overtones behind that, you hear God revealing himself with those same words. Take courage, I am. Hard hearts get caught up in ourselves. Enlightened eyes see Jesus. 
enlightened eyes cling to Jesus and cling to his promise, don't be afraid. It's easy for us to become the centre of the story, to put ourselves right in the centre. We get caught up in our own lives, caught up in our own ministries, caught up in our own opinions. We can idolise ourselves. What's the most terrifying part of this story? The most terrifying part of the story isn't that the disciples see a ghost or think they've seen a ghost. The most terrifying part of this story is that the disciples' hearts were hard. That's terrifying. Hard hearts hamper enlightened eyes. Don't harden your heart. Look to Jesus. See Jesus. Repent and believe as Mark's Gospel keeps urging us to do. Well then, what warning or encouragement is there for us in this? As, uh, as has already been said uh, at the top of our service, it's been a tough week. And uh, we can look around the world and there's all sorts of things happening around the world that are tough and that cause us uh, pain and grief. But we also know that closer to home in our own community, there are also things that we're wrestling with and dealing with that have also caused us pain and grief. We've had a tough week. And our friends, the Beatties, have had an even tougher time. And I know as we gather today, across all of our congregations, there's a range of different thoughts about what's going on. And I know as we gather, there's the full breadth of emotions that people are feeling as we gather. In all those thoughts and emotions, we too can impose our agenda on Jesus's and we can get caught up in ourselves. But just as Jesus was Lord over the water and over the wind and over the disciples in this story, so is Jesus Lord over all things. So is Jesus Lord over us. Over the past few weeks, I've reminded myself, because I needed to remind myself, and I've reminded the staff team, I've reminded our parish council, I've reminded some of you in one-on-one conversations that St Matthew's is Jesus' church. Some of you feel incredible pain at the moment. Some of you are reminded of the pain that has been part of St Matt's journey over years. Matthew's is Jesus' church. He loves his church. I say that St. Matthew's is Jesus' church, not glibly, not just as a thing to say. I say it not to avoid any responsibility that's mine. I say it because it's true. And I say it because it points our eyes to the one, the only one, in whom we can trust when we go through all sorts of grief and trial. He loves this church more than any under-shepherd you will ever have can love this church. He is for you more than any under-shepherd can be for you. He knows your grief. He knows your pain. 
says, take courage. I am. Don't be afraid. And that can be really tough for us. But it's a good reminder for us to focus on the things that are most important. As Jesus goes on, we'll find later in the book of Mark that he reminds people of what is most important in these words that are quite famous. He says, here's what's most important. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind and with all your strength and love your neighbour as yourself. That's what it looks like to have eyes fixed on Jesus. That in the middle of our grief and trial and sorrow and pain, we look to love God with everything, bringing our confusion and questions to him. And we look to love our neighbour as ourselves, Not getting hung up on ourselves, not thinking of ourselves more highly than we ought, but humbly looking to love our neighbour. Don't lose focus. Love God. Love others. Don't harden your heart. Pilate Patrick lost his life because his heart was hard. Don't harden your heart. The one who walked on the water walks with us. The one who calmed the wind brings peace in our distress. Take courage. Jesus is here. Don't be afraid. At the end of the story, Jesus and his disciples arrive at the other side of the lake and in stark contrast to the disciples, the people on the other side of the the lake recognise Jesus and they run to bring people to Jesus. He is the one that they recognise as the one who can help them. He is the one who can heal them. He is their bread. And Jesus and Jesus alone is the one who can help us. He is the one who can heal us. He is the one who is our bread, our nourishment. And not only that, he is the only one who can provide help for those around us. Hard hearts hamper enlightened eyes. Enlightened eyes see Jesus. Enlightened eyes run to Jesus. And enlightened eyes find in Jesus all the nourishment that they desire. And enlightened eyes find in Jesus all the hope that we ever need. Don't harden your heart. Enlighten your eyes. Look to Jesus. Let me pray. Lord Jesus, you are all we need. And we thank you for that. In our grief and sorrow, in our confusion, in our troubles, may our eyes continue to be drawn to you, that our hearts won't be hard, but that we will continue to walk in faith and trust 
with you. We thank you, Jesus, for all that you have done for us, for all that you continue to do for us. We give you thanks and praise and glory and honour. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. St. Matt's West Penn Hills 6pm Congregation is a collection of people who want to be changed by Jesus, to have a deeper connection with God, deeper community with one another and deeper concern for our world. We'd love you to join us on a Sunday soon. For all the details, check out our website at stmats.org.au and be sure to subscribe to our podcast so you don't miss a sermon.